You might be expecting to hear an ad for Spotify right now. Depending on where you're listening, you might be used to hearing that sort of pre-roll before the show. But due to changes in how Spotify is letting people monetize, um, we are no longer able to be getting those ad placements because despite having more than 3 million downloads and over 5,000 weekly listeners coming back to tune in, we are falling short of listens on Spotify specifically by like 100 um in the time frame. So we're not able to monetize. And as a result of that, we are in the process of getting ready to wind down the show by the end of the year because um, it's just not going to be sustainable. And if we can't hit that listener requirement after having, you know, shout outs from the Vlogbrothers and the Apple Store, um, then probably ain't going to happen now. So anyway, uh, if you're still here and you want to listen to this episode, then we'd really obviously appreciate you um, continuing to stay with us through to the end. So I don't know about you, but this time of year, I enter into a somewhat unhealthy dependency on chapstick because my lips get so dry in the winter air. Then they crack and they bleed. And anyway, I don't know. There's something oddly comforting about slathering a tasty stick of moisture all over my mouth. Anyway, what exactly is chapstick and where did it come from? So to begin with, I feel like I should clarify right up front that chapstick is a brand. It's one of those brand names that's become a noun kind of in and of itself, which is a phenomenon referred to as generalized trademark. But what I'm referring to are those little pocket-sized tubes of moisturizer that you can swipe across your lips when they get dry. So basically, lip balm. So lip balms in general are not limited to chapstick, though chapstick was the first one and is probably the one that is most well-known. So for most of my life, it's appeared as though chapstick kind of has the monopoly on lip balm, but other popular brands that you might be familiar with are EOS, Carmex, Ballistex, and Lipsil. So chapstick was invented in the 1880s by a physician in Virginia named Charles Brown Fleet. Now, Dr. Fleet essentially made little chapsticks wrapped in tinfoil that kind of just looked like candles, and they were just like moisture sticks. And while they might have been practical and medicinally effective, he wasn't really great at marketing, and so they did not exactly take off. In 1912, he sold the rights to someone else uh, in his town in Virginia, a Mr. John Morton. And Morton and his wife began cooking up lip balm mixtures in their kitchen and were cutting it up into little sticks. Now, they also then went on to found a manufacturing corporation in their name and proceeded to churn out chapsticks, uh, which they sold and started to actually kind of sell really well. The chapstick brand, however, was not really established until the 1950s, at which point Frank Wright Jr., a commercial artist, had been paid $15 in <laughs> a flat fee to design the chapstick logo, which in fact is still used today. So the company has changed hands a few times, but uh, is actually owned by Pfizer at this point in time. So what is the secret recipe for chapstick? Like what actually is chapstick? As you are well aware, if you have ever perused the lip balm offerings at your local pharmacy, there are 
many varieties and many flavors of chapstick. So some of them are like medicated or they have sunscreen and depending on the purpose, the recipe is going to be a little bit different, but the foundation is kind of reliably consistent across all of the different like subtypes. It basically is made up of beeswax, camphor, petrolatum, and then like aloe or vitamin E and other organic compounds that are used to soothe skin. So things like menthol. And then depending on the color, it would also have things like, you know, yellow number five. <laughs> so in terms of marketing and flavors, this brand has done tie-ins with all kinds of things. I mean, everything from famous Olympians and athletes to children's movies and characters, and I don't know, probably memes at this point. But the classic original flavor of chapstick was kind of like not really a flavor at all. Although the original line of flavors are the ones that are honestly probably still among the most well-known. So the minty flavors, the fruity strawberry flavor, and then the fruitiest of all fruity flavors, and probably the most well-known chapstick flavor, if only because of that Katy Perry song, uh, would be cherry chapstick. So the cherry flavor is, I mean, I can conjure it up. It was not even my favorite chapstick flavor, and I didn't even use it that much. I would always go for like the minty varieties, but I can perfectly imagine the cherry chapstick flavor. Like I can just perfectly imagine it. It's very distinctive. In all of this research about chapstick, um, actually, it turns out that my favorite weird factoid about it has nothing to do with its formula or even what its intended purpose is. You might actually call this a off-label use, but uh, during the Watergate break-in in 1972, E. Howard Hunt and G. Gordon Liddy, who were the leaders, were communicating with their lookouts across the street from the hotel using tiny microphones that they had hidden in the tubes of chapstick, which are actually part of the National Archives now. In the exhibit about the uh, Watergate scandal, they are like number, you know, exhibit number 133 from that investigation. A chapstick with a hidden microphone is very smart because what other things do you have that you would like be normally seen putting up to your mouth like that? So I'm like, well, that's, that's pretty smart. 